Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au First Chronicles chapter 21, reading from verse 1, the Bible says this, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a sentence of Israel. So David said to Job and the commanders of the troops, go and count the Israelites and from Beersheba to, to Dan, then report back to me so that I may know how many people there are. But Job replied, may the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? Go down to verse... So this command was also evil in the sight of God, so he punished Israel. And then David said to God, I've sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away my guilt of your take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. And so, Father, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you you're going to speak to us. And even as we prepare to uh, break bread, Lord God, uh, this morning, uh, I just pray that you would uh, help us to to uh, understand your word, Lord God. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that even as I'm sharing, Father God, that you would speak to us and through us, Lord God, this morning. We love you, God. We want to serve you all the days of our life. Let there be um, a spirit, Father God, where we understand your word today, Lord God, I pray. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak in your, your word. Let your gifts be in operation even as I share, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in a series entitled Spiritual Battles. One of the things we need to understand as Christians, as followers of Christ, is that we're involved in a spiritual battle. We've been speaking about that for the last couple of weeks. There is a physical world and there is a spiritual world. doesn't matter what you believe or what you think. There is a physical world and there is a spiritual world. Just open up your eyes and you'll begin to see what's happening in the spiritual realm. As Paul says, we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Paul is describing the principalities and the powers and, and how the, uh, the spiritual world is actually organized. And he's saying, we don't wrestle against people, we wrestle against the enemy. We have a very real enemy. He's called Satan, uh, Lucifer, the prince of darkness, the evil one, the father of lies, the destroyer, the accuser, and many other names. His mission is to come against the people of God. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it, to the full, that you may have life and have it in abundance, said Jesus. That's the reason why Jesus came. But Satan also came. Jesus told us, he said he came to steal, kill and destroy. That's his mission statement. That's his vision statement. If you go to his website, check out what he's all about, you know, uh, under vision, you'll see his vision statement. It's steal, kill and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your peace. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy anything good in your life. That's what his mission is to do. He will attack you every single day. He will come against your marriage. He will come against your family. He'll do whatever he can uh, to, to, to bring you down. As a church, more than ever, we need to be aware of the battle that we are involved in. Key verse for this series is Paul's words to the Corinthian church that I hope you're memorizing. By now, Paul is speaking about the need to forgive and he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. In other words, make sure that you pass on the forgiveness that you've received so that Satan does not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes, of his devices, of his plans. 
and in the King James of his wiles, which are wild. I don't know what they are, but they're not good. Uh, the reality is many of us Christians are ignorant of the devil's schemes. And as a result, we struggle with situations that God has called us to be victorious over. Today, I want to speak about the greatest temptation of the enemy. It's one of the areas we will all be tempted in. It's one of the areas we will all battle in. And it's the temptation to pride. Now, I know all of you look humble today. I saw you walk into church with your big Bibles and you look spiritual. Those halos look really, really shiny and they're looking amazing today. But all of us are going to deal with this thing called pride in our lives. Satan is really familiar with this one because he himself was tempted in this area and fell. He was believed he was one of the great worship angels uh, in, in heaven and he decided he wanted to be like God. He wanted the glory of God for himself. We get some insight into this from Isaiah. It says, uh, he, he said this, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the amount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. And I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself the most high. Can you see how many I wills are in there? I, 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 I. There it is right there. He's been tempting people with pride right from the beginning. Do you remember what the first sin that Adam and Eve committed was? Satan said to them, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And that's why he doesn't want you to eat this fruit. One of the things all of us need to learn to deal with is pride. Doesn't matter how spiritual we are, all of us will be tempted in the area of pride. It's one of the big three. It's girls, gold and glory. It's one of, one of the big possessions, pleasure, and power. We will all be tempted in those areas. Pride is one of the big three, and we need to learn how to deal with this. Now, to help us unpack this, we're going to look at a story in the Bible in the Old Testament. Some of you may know, and some of you not, but uh, often we think of David's greatest sin as the, his sin with Bathsheba. You know, he commits adultery and murder, um, and uh, just an amazing story there, and uh, some of us think that that was his greatest sin, but there is Another time where David sinned, and it was probably the greatest sin that he committed in his 40-year reign of Israel. David is at the height of his reign, and the Bible says Satan rose up against Israel, incited David to take a census of Israel. So David tells Job, his commander of the army, to go out and count all of the soldiers. Job saw exactly what was happening, and immediately he says to David, May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord, the King, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? Now, Job was a bit of a shady character, but even he could see what was going on right here. It wasn't the fact that he was counting the soldiers. It was why he was counting the soldiers. I talked to some pastors and they're nervous about counting how many people come to church on a Sunday. They get nervous because they think of this story and they think, should we? I say to them all the time, it's not if, or, or, if you count or you don't count. It's about why you're counting. Is it about your glory or is it about God's glory? Um, it wasn't the fact that he was counting. It was why he wanted to see how great he was, how powerful he was. He had forgotten that his strength and power had come from God. And as a result of this sin, you read the text, the story, I just love the whole passage. It's, a, it's an amazing chapter. Uh, as a result of his sin, 70,000 Israelites died. It's an interesting story. 
that teaches us about the pride in our own lives. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, the first lesson that we learn is the timing of pride. It's the timing of pride. We need to understand when we are most susceptible to the sin of pride. There are two times when we're most vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. The first is when we're going through a a difficult situation. When we're going through a difficult time, we're in the valley, we're in the bottom of the valley and it's dark, we're in a storm. Uh, The enemy is going to come to us and say, where is your God? This God that you worship on a Sunday, where is he? Where is he right now when you're in the middle of this valley? You believe in God, well, where is he? You think God loves you? No, I don't think God loves you. I reckon he's punishing you. And the temptation right there is to turn away from God. That's, that's what the enemy is tempting us to do. He's tempting us to turn away from God, to turn our back on God. Second time we are vulnerable to attacks of the enemy is when we're doing well. It's the opposite. It's not in the valley. It's at the top of the mountain. When we're strong, the temptation is different. He will say things like, you're amazing. Look how good you are. Isn't God lucky to have you on his team? Look how successful you are. You know you could be even bigger than that. Again, the temptation is to listen carefully. It's the same temptation. It's just slightly different. It's the temptation to turn away from God, to take the credit that belongs to God. It's exactly what happened to David. David was just a shepherd boy and no one, uh, and no one, he was tending sheep for his family. Not, he was not even recognized as one of the sons of Jesse. Samuel comes along, I'm going to anoint one of your, one of your sons. And says, call your sons over. And he lines all of his sons up. Doesn't even call David. Not even recognized as one of his sons. One day, young David takes down giant Goliath. And suddenly he was the someone. He was anointed king by Samuel. He's an amazing warrior. He was so popular, the women would even write songs about him. It's amazing. Here he is at the height of his reign. He's tempted by the enemy to pride. And we need to understand that when we're doing well, when things are going well, listen carefully, when God is blessing us, we need to acknowledge that it's by the grace of God and for the glory of God. Because there's a very big temptation to take the glory for ourselves. God gave the Apostle Paul a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was, a lot of speculation. Because of the surpassingly great revelations that he was having, it was to help him from becoming conceited. It was to keep him from becoming conceited. Paul says to the Corinthians, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. I'm reading from the message translation. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. There is a temptation in all of us when we are doing well to take the credit that belongs to God. There is a temptation in all of us that when things are going well in our lives, that instead of giving God the glory, we start to think, "Mm, you're an amazing guy. You're an amazing person. Not like everybody else. We need to understand the timing of pride. The second thing that we need to be aware of is the deceitfulness of pride. Everybody okay here this morning? Everybody happy? It's okay? Yeah, it's good. Uh, It's the deceitfulness of pride. The Bible says Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. Now, here's the interesting part for me in this story. 
David was proud and he didn't know it. David was being deceived by the enemy. He had no clue. This was David. This, this was David. Just, just, time out. Have a think. This was David. This was worshipping David. This was Goliath conquering David. This was a man after God's own heart. This is the David that, that God said. He's a man after God's own heart. This was a man that would inquire of the Lord at every decision that he made. Yet David was deceived by pride. I'm just going through the Old Testament uh, and I'm First uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, and I'm I'm just reading the story of David. It's chapter after chapter. It's an amazing story. Uh, it, it's full of intrigue. It's full of twists and turns. I mean, there's nothing hidden here. This is worse than the Kardashians, or I don't even watch that. I don't even know what that is. But anyway, but I just imagine it's not. It's days of our lives, that kind of thing. I mean, it's all bare before David. His strength, his highs, his high moments, his low moments. And I said to our staff this week, one of the phrases that appears again and again in the life of David, and David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord. And David was facing a situation and he inquires of the Lord. This was, this was a man after God's own heart. This was a man who loved God. This was a man who would write worship song after worship song. So many of the songs we sing are drawn out of David's songs. And yet in this moment, David was deceived by what? He was deceived by pride. David was deceived by pride. How much more can we be? Now, when it comes to pride, we're so good at seeing it in other people. Come on. That person sitting next to you. Let's hmm? not mention it. We're not so good in seeing ourselves. Don't look at them now because that would be awkward now. That would be awkward. We need to understand that we could be tempted to pride, filled with pride and not know it. David was not the only victim to pride. King Uzziah was used by God in a mighty way. Listen to what the Bible says. But after Uzziah became powerful, here it is again, listen. His pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense, something he should never have done. Hezekiah was an amazing man of God. You read the story of Hezekiah, one of the great kings of Israel. The, the things this guy did was just amazing. God heals him of a sickness. And after that, the Bible says, but Hezekiah's heart was proud. And he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him. We ask ourselves, how can that be? How can these guys that have been so close to God be deceived by pride? Reality is it can happen to all of us. Is everything okay here this morning? I'm just sensing some bit of, just feeling a bit uncomfortable. Maybe I need to get a chair, <laughs> just pull over. So the, so the big question for me is that, how do we protect ourselves from this? How do we protect ourselves from this? Uh, this is a really important issue because the Bible says one of the marks of the last days will be deception. We need to learn how to protect ourselves from deception. I remember as a young person thinking, you know, I just see different things happening in, in, in Christianity and so on. How do we protect ourselves from this? Four things. These are not on your notes, but you can write them down if you've got a pen. Number one, you need to know that you can be deceived. Okay, how long you've been serving God. Doesn't matter how God, what God has done in your life. Doesn't matter how many services you've been to. Doesn't matter if you've been to Bible college. You know every story in the Bible. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know. You need to know that all, all of us can be deceived. We can be deceived. You, you need to get to a point where you say, you know what? I could be deceived by pride. 
And that's probably the most important one because once you've got that one, the rest is easier. It's this one here because we generally don't think, well, I don't think it'll ever happen to me. Number two, love the truth. Love the truth. Love the truth. Love the truth. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's something in me that isn't right. Lead me in the way everlasting. Love the truth. Go into the presence of God. And as you pray, say, God, I just want to know the truth. I, I, I don't want to believe I'm something when I'm not. I don't want to believe I'm up here when really I'm down here. Love the truth. Seek after the truth. Number three, love the church. What is going to protect all of us from being deceived is being connected to the church of Jesus Christ. There is something protective about being in the church. As we begin to go off in another direction, you may not see it, but someone else will see it. And they'll come along. And if, and if you've connected to the church, if you're networked within the context of the church, someone is going to say, but what are you doing and where are you going? Love the church. There's something protective about being part of the local church. There's something protective in our marriages and in our family just by being part of the local church. I don't fully understand it, but I know that it's true. Number, number four, we need to understand the value of a Joab in our life. Now, he was a bit of a shady character, but understand the principle. All of us, no matter how successful we are, we need to understand the value of having people that are close to us who are not going to tell us what we want to hear, but are, 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 have enough courage to tell us what we need to hear. David couldn't see the sin, but Job could. Notice what, the, well, notice what he said. May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over, my Lord the King. Are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does the Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? Now, right there, if David was sensitive to, to, to what was happening around him, if David understood the value of a Job next to him, he could have been spared of this sin. Instead, he blows Job away. No, you go and do it, and I don't care what you think. When David sinned with Bathsheba, I often think about that. He sees, he's, he says, you know, I want that. And, and, the, and he calls for people around him. Could you go and get her and bring her here? I mean, how many people in his, in his kingdom knew exactly what was going on? And the Bible doesn't tell us, but no one said a thing. And was that because no one wanted to or because everyone was scared? Because, because David was, was, was alone. We need to understand the deceitfulness of pride. How do we protect ourselves? Know you can be deceived. Love the truth. Love the church. Understand the value of an Apostle Paul. Understand the value of a Mordecai. Understand the value of a Moses that, that uh, Joshua had. Understand the value of having someone close to you who knows you very well and is able to see that once you start to move off in a direction, they can tap you on the shoulder and say, what are you doing and where are you going? Well, Pastor Joe, how do we acknowledge the success that God is bringing without being proud? Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be on my, on my lips. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. My soul shall boast in the Lord. Isn't God doing some amazing things? Hasn't God done some incredible things? My, my mind is completely blown away by what God is doing and what God has done. I will boast in the Lord. It's about what God is doing through you and me. Third thing we need to understand is the effects of pride. 
We need to understand the different faces of pride, how it affects our lives and what it looks like in our lives. Pride wants the admiration. Pride wants the limelight, wants to be noticed, center of attention, says you're important. You're not like everybody else. You are special, very special. More than ever in this age, we see the effects of pride. It's found its way into our language. We talk about self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence, being my best self. And then, of course, there's the selfie, you know. <laughs> Listen to what pride will do to us. Pride will make us pursue positions God never intended us to have. Pride stops us from saying sorry, from forgiving. No, no, they need to say sorry. No, I'm not saying sorry. My view is, especially in marriage, if you're, if you're to blame for 5%, say sorry for the 5%. Because it just triggers something. Pride stops us from asking for help because we're afraid of what people might think of us. We would rather live with a problem than ask for help because of what people might think of us. You know what's underneath that? It's pride. It's pride. Pride makes us pursue things just to keep up with the Joneses. I feel sorry for that. I hope there's no Joneses here this morning. <laughs> we keep up with the Joneses. It says, I am what I wear, what I own, where I live, what I earn. I need to be chicken number one in the chicken pen. I wish it was funny because it's true. <laughs> Pride makes us attribute our successes to our abilities instead of God. Pride makes us think we're, we're more mature than we really are. Pride makes us question and reject authority. Pride makes us insist on issues even when we know we're wrong. It's called stubbornness. Everybody go, mmm, mmm. Just look at the person next to you and go, mmm. <laughs> Pride is at the core of low self-esteem and inferiority and insecurity. I'm not good at anything. I'm not good. I can't. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I. Pride leads to shame because we struggle to forgive ourselves. Pride leads to hyper-perfectionism. I've got to be the best at all costs. Pride leads to a victim mentality and drowns us in self-pity. Poor me. No one understands me. No one visits me. No one cares about me, 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 me. It's all about me when the Bible says it's all about God and others. We need to understand the many faces of pride and how it manifests in our lives. And we also need to understand the consequences of pride. 70,000 people died because of David's sin. Bible says pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Fourth thing, and it starts to get better now, okay? It starts to get better now. Fourth thing we need to understand is the antidote to pride, which is humility. Bible identifies five types of sins. There are unconscious sins, the ones we don't know. Sorry, it gets a bit worse first and then get it better in a minute, all right? Then, again, then there's hidden sins, uh, the ones we know about but no one else knows. Then there's open sin. Then there's the sin that becomes a stronghold, the addictions. Then there's the great sin. Do you know what the great sin is? The great sin is the sin of pride. It's called the great sin because the pride is at the heart of every other sin. It's at the, sin, it's at the core of adultery. It's about I want. It's what I want. It's, the, it's theft. I want that for myself. Lying. I need to look good. Even if I stretch the truth a little bit to make myself look better, it's all about me. It's also the great sin because it's what will keep us from giving our lives to Jesus Christ. It's 
the great sin because if there's anything that's going to stop us from surrendering to Jesus Christ, it's pride. We'll say things, I don't need God. No no one's going to tell me how to live my life. What will people think of me if I give my life to Jesus Christ? I want to do it my way. I want to be my own God. It's the ultimate sin. So if pride is is the sin that's at the core of all sin, then what is the virtue that's at the core of all virtues? It's humility. Andrew Murray says this, has written a powerful book on humility. You can download it as a podcast for free, the whole book. It's a great book, worth reading. Written over 100 years ago, still speaks to us today. Humility, the place of entire dependence on God, is the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature and the root of every virtue. And so pride or the loss of this humility is at the root of every sin and evil. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up in due time. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Micah says, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Humility. It's complete dependence on God. It's saying, I need you. It's saying, I depend on you. I need your grace. I need your direction. I need your power protection. I need you for my next breath. One of my prayers every single day is, Lord, help me to walk humbly with you. It's one at the top of my list of prayers is, Lord, I just want to walk humbly with you. I don't want to just do humble things, Lord, because you can do humble things and still not be humble. I want to be humble. I want it to be the knee-jerk reaction in my heart is humility. I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. We're all in a spiritual battle. It's not if we're in a battle, we are in a battle. And one of the ways the enemy is going to come against us is pride. We need to know the timing of pride, deceitfulness of pride, many faces of pride, consequences of pride. And when the enemy comes knocking on our door with pride, we need to call it out and refuse to give in to pride. Say it's by the grace of God and for the glory of God. It's by the grace of God. It's for the glory of God. Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he needs to go and die on a cross. And, and, and Peter said, oh, don't you know? No, don't you know? That's not you. You can't be doing that. You can't lower yourself and die on a cross. No, that's not for you. And Jesus turns to him and says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. We're in a spiritual battle. We don't have what it takes to win. We're never weaker than when we're proud. We're never stronger than when we are broken and humble before God. So what do we do if we've ever been a victim to pride? What do you do if you've ever given in to pride or become a victim to pride? Or maybe the Holy Spirit is just nudging you. This is not about condemning. This is about the Holy Spirit convicting us. Because God wants the best for us. The Bible says of David, and this is what I love about David. I love his heart. I love his heart. David immediately is faced with the sin in his life. And I, and I, and I love that, that there's, there's two occasions in Scripture when that happens. And David doesn't blame. He doesn't deny. He doesn't, he doesn't sweep it under the carpet. He confesses his sin to God immediately. And that's the heart of David. It wasn't that David was perfect. He had an amazing heart that even when he made some mistakes, he was able then to just bring it before God and say, God, 
I've done this again. And the Bible says that David built an altar to the Lord and there he sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering. What do you do if pride is something you struggle with? You humble yourself to God, you acknowledge your sin and you build an altar and confess it to God. Now back in the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals to atone for their sin. They had to bring an animal, a sheep, a goat, whatever it was, pigeons and something. We don't sacrifice animals for our sins because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He paid the price for all of our sins. So communion is an opportunity to humble ourselves, to recognize who God is, submit to God, confess our sins, and to receive forgiveness, to run to the greatest example of humility, which is Jesus Christ. We will all battle pride. All of us. I battle pride continuously. Continuously. It's a temptation to take the glory. Temptation to get our eyes off of God and onto ourselves. By God's grace, we need to reach out to God and say, God, I don't want to be proud. I want to walk humbly with you so that I can be everything that God has called me to be, so that we can be everything that God has called us to be. Where there's humility, there is the grace of God. There is the presence of God. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He gives abilities to those who are humble. He gives people that are humble the ability to do things they could never do on their own. It's the power of humility. I pray that we would be a humble church in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? Maybe some of you are wondering, I don't know if I should have gone to church this morning. I should have tried that other church. My goodness. But God is a good God. And I pray that God would speak to all of us through his word. We're going to sing a song. Come on, where we stand? We're going to sing a song and we're going to prepare to take communion in just a few moments.